Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And I'm joined today by Canadian television personality Bill Walichka. Now, I remember watching Bill as a VJ on Much Music back in the early 90s, and not a lot of people may know this, but for you Much Music fans out there, Bill has the distinction of being the longest-running Much Music and Much More Music on-air personality in the history of the channel. Interesting fact that I wasn't aware of until just recently. Now, lately you can find Bill on CKWS-TV in Kingston, where he is the host and producer of the WS Daily Show, and also of their morning show, where I just guested, uh, I think it was last Monday, actually. So, Bill, welcome to the podcast. It's going to be fun to turn the tables here and actually have you as my guest on the show after being on yours a couple times. Uh, truly an honor. I love what you've done with this podcast and just the general subject matter. Um, I'm surprised someone hasn't done this a lot sooner, but yeah. uh, great idea. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's yeah. It, it's been a lot of fun doing this. I have to say, um, and I like you and I have have had some great music chats. So I think today is going to be really fun. Well, you like music as much as I do. You probably even more. And uh, it's always an honor when someone can relate to just how beautiful music can be in their lives. Absolutely. So, Bill, you've got a great list here. Before we get into your list, I wanted to talk briefly about something uh, that I thought was really cool that you did last year called uh, One Hip Hour. It was a Tragically Hip special that you produced that uh, the last time we spoke, you actually told me that it was nominated for an award. And I was wondering if you wanted to talk maybe a little bit more about that. Well, some background, first of all, sure. Um, I think most people start their career off in a smaller market, move to a medium market, and then move to a major market. I, my whole career was backwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I started off in Toronto on a national network yeah. and eventually found myself to a smaller market. <laughs> and uh, CKWS TV here in Kingston, the amazing thing is they've been covering the hip, the hometown boys, for decades. Mm-hmm. So when it was announced, Gore Downey's glioblastoma mm-hmm. diagnosis um i went to my boss and i said you know i went through some of our archives we got some great old stuff here i have some stuff from the much days why don't we combine the two and do an hour special and bring fans up to date mm-hmm. on the history and right up until the new record man machine poem and he loved the idea and he goes let's run it july 1st and i said perfect for canada day yeah some other markets ran it as well and yeah i used you as a reference uh as a pundit talking about the hip and their contribution to the Canadian fabric. Yeah, it was a huge honor for me. And uh, yeah, so we ran it July 1st. We also ran it August 19th, the day before the broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, a, a national celebration. And they ran it at Market Square before the broadcast. So 27,000 people in Kingston at Market Square you know, had a screening of One Hip Hour before they went into the national CBC broadcast. That is and I was amazing. looking around. I, I emceed the event, and uh, there was a beautiful air that hung over Kingston that day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just looking around, seeing, you know, at that point there was probably 20,000 people just quiet watching it on this giant rock and roll stage screen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's terrific, man. Well done. I think that's fantastic that you did that. So now we've got uh, your list, and, you know, speaking of the hip, um, when we talked about putting this together, you know, you said there was going to be a lot of hip. You kick off with the hip. I was actually surprised that there wasn't more on here. But uh, your first tune, Bill, is by the hip, and it's Nautical Disaster. I just love songs that build. They start off with a little bit of momentum, and then at some point it just kicks in. And for me, that's where the goosebumps come in. And there's a number of songs that do that. Mm-hmm. I think Live, Pillar of Davidson is like that. Yeah. 
um, even the hips um, gift shop. Yes. Uh, there's a moment where he says the pendulum swings, yeah. and then Johnny Faye just—I love songs that do that. And to me, Nautical Disaster does that. Yeah, it has this—you know—this moment where it, it everything is connecting, and yes. it's like someone someone just pushed the plug into the wall, and off they go. Yeah, and thinking about it just gives me goosebumps. But yeah, there's so many hip songs: Weed Kings, Lock in the Trunk of a Car, mm-hmm. Three Pistols, Thugs, Scared, Pick One. It's a good life if you're not weak and. You know, looking for a place to happen. Yeah. Just all these, it's, you know. One of the things that you taught me, too, is interesting about the hip is, you know, they have science saying about Canada many, many times. Yeah. A lot of artists do, but the hip have never done it in a cheesy way. If anything, it's a little bit cryptic. It's a little bit poetic. Mm-hmm. Looking for a place to happen. Um, after we had that chat, I remember thinking about that song. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he references Jacques Cartier, so it's about Jacques Cartier yeah. discovering Canada. Yeah. And he uses it almost like Jacques Cartier showing up at a party. Yes. Come on in. Come on, come on in and throw your coat on the bed. Yeah. No, you're not the first to arrive. We've all been here since God knows when. He's talking about the natives. Exactly. And just that imagery of Jacques Cartier showing up at a party and saying, you know, you're not the first to be here. We've been here for a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it shows shows Gord has had an awareness for Aboriginal rights for years. This is nothing new to him. Mm-hmm. And and still is uh, is quite activistic in that regard, too. And just, uh, just it was announced a couple of days ago, they're getting the Governor General's uh, Order of Canada. Yes. I think he's getting that on Monday, isn't he? Yep, and the rest of the band gets theirs the next week. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to Paul Langlois about this. I'm heading into the bathhouse studio yep. tomorrow night with him so he can produce a uh, great local musician, Greg Ball, so I'm going to ask him about that. Awesome. That's great. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I'd like to get one of the hip guys on the show if, if they're ever interested. So I'll look at, I'll, let, me, let me hook it up for you, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That would be good. That would be good. Yeah, I'd love to have a chat with those guys. I've been a huge fan. But for yeah, a long to me, time. to me, the best songs—they elevate me. It's a friend. It's a, you know, touchstone to my youth in many ways. It's an escape. It's motivating. And uh, Nautical Disaster does that to me. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Um, you know, Day for Night—the record this comes from—is a very dark album. Uh, for me, and you and I talked about this the first time I was on your show, I think that, you know, um, that hip collection right through from up to here out to maybe Trouble at the Hen House was, you know, the soundtrack for my university career. So, yeah, you, uh, you'll you hear a song and it'll take you back oh, to yeah. a time, to a place, to memories, to even people sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the hip does that for me. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, it's a, a commemorative device almost. And I'm a fan first and foremost, but, you know, having interviewed the guys over the years many, many times and then moving to Kingston and hanging out with some of them, you know, mm-hmm. at a bar or mm-hmm. something or running running into Paul and his wife at the Delicatessen, it's, it's still, you know, I still get a, a huge kick out of it. Yeah, I, w- I would never tell them that, though. <laughs> of course not. Hey, guys. Hey, guys, I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> They probably get tired of hearing that. I'm sure they do, right? You, you know, especially walking the streets of Kingston. Well, what did uh, Paul McCartney say? The only thing worse than someone bugging you for an autograph is someone not bugging you for an autograph. Ah, so. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I just love the intensity in that song. And, you know, when Gord sings Off the Coast of France, dear, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a brilliant track. Uh, lest we talk about the hip for the entire episode, we should probably move on and uh, and look into uh, your next tune here, which is by Oasis, and it's called Live Forever. 
I have been a, uh, you know, one of their biggest supporters from that first record. And people will say, how can you like them? Those guys are, they're, they're assholes. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, that's one of the reasons they, I have never been so entertained in an interview than I have with Liam and Noel. At the same time? Separ- separately. No, oh. they won't be together. Okay. Uh, but many, many times, and it's always been an amazing experience. And uh, Liam can be a hooligan. He's never been a hooligan to me, though. And, you know, Live Forever to me is just, uh, it's a beautiful song. Yeah. I would like it played at my funeral, which doesn't make sense because I'll be dead. So I won't be living <laughs> forever. But just the sentiment of that song. And, you know, seeing them live so many times, that's the song that to me that, you know, it just, it just, that live experience is just so hypnotic. And to look around and see, you know, 25,000 people, heads just up and down and they're jumping. Yeah. And that, and that energy of a live show with Oasis. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I just did an episode two days ago, and Oasis has appeared on on uh, you know previous episodes quite a lot. Obviously, they're very popular. But I was talking to someone about uh, "Don't Look Back in Anger," and uh, you know the healing properties that that song has in a live setting. People just you know it's almost like a religious experience. You know, especially then they when they play like a Glastonbury or a Wembley or something like that. Um, oh, those tears! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was even proven a few weeks ago in Manchester um, at at a vigil. At a vigil, it just the crowd breaking out and don't look back in anger in yeah. this spontaneous moment. And I remember watching the news, seeing this, and getting goosebumps. Yeah. Again, that's the power of a song. Yeah. It's comforting, you know. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that that's the kind of theme that I'm trying to you know capture the essence of here is is just that. So difficult to explain why you just get the goosebumps you know it's like explaining religion to someone that that doesn't understand you it's just a feeling you have Mm -hmm. and you can put it into many words as you want use as many adjectives as you want but what it does for you you just sometimes can't explain exactly exactly so your next song here bill in the list of songs that make your skin vibrate is by the cure and it's called a hundred years yeah, there was up until the album Pornography, uh, I think which was their third or fourth record, mm-hmm. um, they were still relatively a cult band and haven't weren't doing their pop music yet. Um, Robert Smith's penchant for you know, writing pop songs and bouncy songs and jangly songs was a direct result of pornography. Mm-hmm. I guess it was so dark and so gothic that uh, he needed to do something else or he said he probably would have killed himself. Really? So he started writing pop music, but that early cure to me is my favorite period because um, as dark as it is, it reminds me of a time in high school uh-huh. where, you know, those are sensitive years for yes. someone who's, you know, developing a love of music and being a cure fan was almost like a badge, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I, I love those, those years and, you know, going on and years later, you know, having a cure picture in my locker and then years interview or years later having to sit down with Robert Smith Mm. and doing live, live interviews on much. It was just like a perfect circle for me that, uh, you know, one of my favorite bands of all time. 
Yeah, that must have been a huge thrill for you because, as you said, you know, you touched on the fact that music was very important to you in high school, and and obviously, you know, I remember that too because for me, and, and I've told you this before, that music was like an absent friend for a lonely kid growing up, and and so for you to have made such a significant investment, have an attachment to this music, and then actually meet the creator of this music and be able to have a conversation with them, that must have been so fantastic. It it would never come up in interviews because. Uh, well, first of all, I, I really don't like the term interviews. I think a conversation is what I would like to aim for in mm-hmm. a lot of these cases. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when people say, what's been your favorite interview? And I say, I can't pick one. There's been so many that I have pretty much met every single one of my idols. Wow. And not in passing, uh, getting an autograph outside a show, but you know, in some cases having to work on an hour special yeah. with them. Yeah. You know? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a significant exchange. It's not you know you're not at a meet and greet backstage where you're getting kind of farmed through by their handlers or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, but even then, you know, I, I uh, I'll talk with people and they, you know, for instance, you can buy post show meet and greets in Vegas yeah. with Britney Spears or Lady Gaga, and the experience will cost you you know maybe twenty five hundred bucks, and you get your ten yeah. seconds with them to take a picture. Yeah. But I I remember meeting someone knowing someone in Ottawa that met Elvis years and years and years ago. Okay. And his take on it was for a split second, Elvis's concentration was on me. Even if it was for like two seconds mm-hmm. doing the handshake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Elvis's mind, he was meeting me and it was two seconds where he focused on me. And that's two seconds that, you know, a lot millions of people will never get. Yeah. Yeah. True. And that's a neat way of looking at it too. For those two seconds, Elvis's concentration was on this specific person. So you know, if you're gonna spend five thousand dollars to get a picture with Justin Bieber, yeah, you know, if, if you got the money, yeah, why that's not twenty five hundred bucks a second, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that, that, that Biebs is expensive. That's right. <laughs> He's raking it in, man. Yeah, that's probably American too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boy. So for your next song, Bill, you've done something really cool. I, I, I love this. Um, this song sticks out in your list. It's uh, it's an old country classic by George Jones, and it's called He Stopped Loving Her Today. Uh, I got into country uh, around the new traditionalism movement, and that was Randy Travis, Dwight Yoakam, Steve Rowe, all putting out their debut records the same year. I think it was 86. Yeah. At that point, like I said, I was into The Cure. I was, you know, I loved Zeppelin. I was into a lot of alternative. And I remember hearing that Steve Rowe record, um, the first one, Guitar Town. Yeah. I thought, to me, this was alternative because none of my friends were listening to it. Yeah. So it was alternative to me. And then, and then that Dwight Yoakam, that first record, Guitars, Cadillacs, etc. Yeah. It just like holy crap! Where have I been? Like, why have I missed country? Well, don't forget, in the eighties and seventies, country music towards the end of the seventies and eighties and nineties, country music was Barbara Mandrell and yes. Kenny Rogers. Yes, and it needed an injection uh, from Dwight Yoakam and Steve Earle, yeah. to an extent, Randy Travis, to bring a certain style back. And, yeah. you know, in Steve's case, it was a little bit of the outlaw sound it was. Dwight, it was a little bit of that traditional movement yeah and, yeah and so uh once i got those records i went back and did my homework and discovered george jones and conway twitty and waylon jennings and johnny cash and uh it just you know and that song to this day it's his voice it still makes me weep and i think it's the greatest country song ever by the greatest country voice ever 
Yeah. And uh, it's just a beautiful song. And, you know, a little bit cheesy when the strings kick in and the background vocals. But still, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a song that gives me goosebumps. And yeah. it's a, you know, it's a beautiful example of what a country song does. And that is for three and a half minutes, it takes you somewhere and it moves you. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, you know, and that's a great point about country, you know, getting a little bit homogenized towards the end of the 70s with, you know, Kenny Rogers and even, you know, Dolly Parton. I remember that. And, uh, you know, for someone like Steve Earle to come in and, 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 you know, inject a little bit of kind of badassery into it was was a good thing. Definitely. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and you could you could hear the influence from Waylon Jennings and his music and his style oh, yeah. of writing. Yeah, because guys like him and Johnny Cash really kind of, you know, pioneered that. And then, you know, towards the end of the 70s, it was a little bit glossed over. Yeah, I think country music is right now, you know, I think we're done with that bro country thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I would love to get back to the, uh, you know, you know, I think you're starting to hear it a little bit with maybe Hank the Third, mm-hmm. um, maybe uh, a couple of other of the young cats out there trying to bring back that outlaw movement but so far radio hasn't latched onto it and that's sad yeah yeah that is sad hopefully soon so speaking of badass your next tune is by uh some badasses in their own right in the 70s aerosmith and the tune is Mm. crying yeah um you know a good pop rock song uh to me it's uh, a memory um and i've interviewed steven tyler many times and i've been complimented by him many times Mm -hmm. um interview in fact he wanted my card one time to ask me if i could uh do their next epk electronic press kit wow that's awesome i i didn't hear back from him i was really pissed off he got a better deal from someone else i don't know yeah but i remember uh we were covering woodstock 94 i think it was on a saturday night Mm -hmm. woodstock was uh headlining or aerosmith was headlining woodstock we were covering it for much and we had our little compound almost right backstage Mm -hmm. and at that point i was uh editing some of the interviews from that day i took a break it was like one in the morning yeah a break and i remember i was all alone backstage but i remember hearing crying and just wanting to come out and just listen to it yeah i was all alone but I knew that just, you know, 30 feet away from me was Aerosmith on stage yeah. playing to 50,000 people. Yeah. And it was just this weird, it, I remember the feeling of solitude, knowing that just, you know, a few hundred yards or, you know, 50 yards away, all these people were soaking up crying. And I was soaking it up too, but from a different perspective. Yeah. And that was a major break, breakup in, that, in my life at that time. Oh. So, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, the the lyrics sort of touched me in that way but uh, yeah it's just amazing how a song can bring back a memory isn't it to me it's that it's a great song like that yeah no oh, thanks for sharing that i appreciate you including that in your list here uh your next one bill is a canadian classic by blue rodeo and it's called hasn't hit me yet again where do you start with blue rodeo um so many songs but uh you know getting back to that major breakthrough or breakup i wish it was a breakthrough it was a breakup but uh, I have lived those lyrics, you know, um, standing on a corner and watching the snow fall underneath a, a street light and thinking, you know, the same snow is falling out in the middle of Lake Ontario. And mm-hmm. again, seeing them live and looking around and seeing everyone sing those lyrics back to the point where Greg Keeler doesn't even sing. He just lets the audience do it. Yeah. And uh, just a beautiful, beautiful, sonically a beautiful song. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I, I love the guys too. 
Yeah. I, I consider them treasures right up there with the hip and rush. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Canadian treasures. Have you seen uh, Jim Cuddy's son play? Um, Devin? Is his name Devin? I think so. Uh, I haven't. I know he's opened up. He opened up on for them on the last tour. Yeah. He'll play downtown Toronto every now and again, and his dad will be there, you know, in the crowd watching. It's really cool. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know who I did see last weekend here in Kingston was Casador. Who's that? Casador is Rob Baker's son, Boris. No, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Look, look for check out Casador. You'll find them online. K a s k a s a d o r. He plays bass. Okay. And it's uh, it's almost danceable rock. It's not what you would think coming from the lineage of Rob Baker. Yeah. But uh, it's almost jazzy. Oh really? Uh, a little throwbackish, um, but great. Okay. Yeah. See, see, you know, for me, uh, Rob Baker is probably the most rock and roll guy in the hip. You know, so when you said that, I thought, okay, this is going to be like a really good rock outfit. Surprisingly, it's not what you would think it is, but it's still good. You have to give him a chance, Casador. Oh, absolutely. And I asked, I asked Boris why bass. The guitar would have been obvious, and he said when he was growing up, his dad told him that all the girls go for the bass player. And I said, no, he was lying. <laughs> You know he was lying, right? He goes, yeah, I know that now. <laughs> so there's Rob trying to uh, protect the boy by saying, pick up the bass. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, prominent bass players, it's actually a good segue into your next tune, Rush and Getty Lee with Time Stand Still. I got turned on to the guys way later than anyone else. I know uh, in, in high school, all my friends love Rush. You know, and I, I knew of them. I knew the songs. It, it just, you know, I was more into Judas Priest and Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Uh, Iron Maiden and stuff. I just, I never got the Rush thing. No, me it wasn't until years later when interviewing them for much, like working on specials and interviewing them at uh, on red carpets for award shows and mm-hmm. And entering into almost a relationship with Alex Lifeson, whenever I seen him, see him, there'd be hugs, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember putting together one special. It hit me how great, you know, Tom Sawyer, Subdivisions, the entire Twenty One Twelve album, Spirit oh, yeah. of Radio, like all these songs. I finally got it. Yeah. And um, you know, so many songs, but you know, I I love the lyrics of Time Stand Still. Yeah. You know. In trial, you want to look back, and you never can. Yeah. And nothing, and it will never be the same, even if you could. Yeah, well said. I think that you and I had the exact same Rush experience, because as you know, I was a metal kid, and I talk about this in my first book, No Sleep Till Sudbury, where I completely missed out on Rush, because I hmm. thought they were maybe a little bit too intellectual for me, and I kind of like, I, I like my rock dumb, you know, like I liked Motley Crue, and I liked... You know, Judas Priest and, and that sort of thing. Not that that was necessarily like, done. That reminds me of the Trailer Park Boys episode where <laughs> Ricky's like, I don't like them guys, man. They sing about trees and one tree talking to the other tree. I like Helix. Give me an R. <laughs> Give me an O. That's the kind of music I like. Do you remember that episode? Yeah. Exactly like that. I think, but but I th- a lot of us had that same experience, right? When you're when you're listening to hard rock slash heavy metal, you don't expect you know to hear trees talking to each other and 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 highbrow lyrics and guys in flowing robes who look like you know uh, MIT professors. So it's so true. Yeah, 
little little bit intimidation maybe yeah i was definitely intimidated i i, I don't mind saying that and i, I but I, again i kind of regret it you know because i think that rush is a fantastic band and he's he, especially as a canadian now you know i think that they're probably one of our greatest exports musically so and again there's been moments at their shows where i i'm transported i just i go off mm-hmm. and you know I remember Spirit of Radio, whenever they play that live, I'll, I'll look around and I'll be air drumming with like 25,000 other dudes. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's hilarious. So so question for you about Time Stand Still. Somebody told me, and I did not know this until this person told me, and it was on a previous episode again, um, Amy Mann sings on this. Did yeah, you... she does the backup vocal. She's even in the video. I, is she? I had no idea. No. I think it's the only time they've ever had someone outside the core band yeah. on a song. How that's Amy Mann doing the, uh, the, the, the call and response. Time stands still. Yeah. 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 But how, how did she come to be a, a part of this? I have no idea. That is an interesting question for Getty or for Alex next time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I always wondered that because the person I was speaking to is from Nashville and he said, uh, you know, there's a Canadian connection there. I don't know if she's Canadian. And I said, no, she's definitely not Canadian. But no, yeah, who knows? I don't. Maybe they met on the road or something. Who knows? I don't know. But we'll... the funny thing about Rush too, you mentioned someone from Nashville. Mm-hmm. Whenever Rush puts out a record, it'll be like top three in Billboard for that week. Mm-hmm. The next week, it's gone. Yeah, like all the Rush fans go out and get it on mass. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And then it just has no staying power. Yeah, everybody just goes out and grabs it as soon as it's available, and then that's it. Yeah. And it'll go gold in the U.S. or platinum, but it's all done in a week. Yeah, yeah. Those are the those are the cult members of Rush, though, right? Those are the like the yeah. diehards. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and they're they're out there too. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Did you see the last show at the ACC, the Rush show? No. It was so good, Bill. Yeah, it was great. What they you were there? Yeah, what they did was they started out. They went backwards in time. So what they did was they started out with a full show, and they started out with their most recent material. And you saw, as they were going from song to song, you saw guys that were dressed as movers coming and removing pieces of the stage set. And so, you know, you're kind of wondering, like, what are they what are they doing? And every song, they took away a little bit more. And so by the end of it, it was just the three guys and a disco ball and uh, their amps on chairs. Isn't that interesting? So And, and they started out with, like, a working man. You know, but that was like the last tune. So they, they did the concert backwards. That is interesting. Almost as if to say this is where we started off with nothing. And then, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 40 years in reverse. Wow. It was, it was fascinating. I asked Getty about that very first show they ever did and asked him about the lamp yep. that they had taped a microphone to because they didn't have mic stands. And he goes, <laughs> oh, my God, I totally forgot that. <laughs> They had taped a microphone to a lamp stand because they couldn't afford unbelievable mic stand. Yeah, unbelievable. So, Bill, for your last tune, we're going to finish off with a classic here. It's uh, Fleetwood Mac, "Go Your Own Way." Uh, I love Lindsey Buckingham as a guitarist. Um, I think he's one. Uh, I know he's a great guitarist, but I think he's one of the. Uh, just something about when people mention great guitarists of all time, no one remembers, no one says Lindsey Buckingham. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, he's just unbelievable. That's a good point. And I remember, right. and I just, I love the song. I love how it builds. I love the background vo- vocals. I love everything about that song. I love the drumming. It's yeah. not, it's not a typical drum beat. What Mick Fleetwood does is something 
something weird. You know what? I'm glad you touched on that because I feel the exact same way. So there was a lot of snare in there, a lot of snare fills. Do you notice that? And a lot of... Yeah. But but at at weird points, right? Yeah. 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 And for some reason it works. And Mm -hmm. uh, saw them in Ottawa on that last tour where Christine McVie Mm -hmm. got back together with them. Yeah. And they did Tusk. Oh. And that guitar solo in Tusk it was amazing live. It was just like it gave me goosebumps. And that's what music is supposed to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Very well said. You're totally right. So, Bill, that is your list. And uh, I want to thank you. I think you did a fantastic job here. This was a great chat. Uh, obviously, I'm not surprised because we always have them. But um, thank you so much for taking the it's time. Just fun. Thank you for the opportunity. It's just fun to think about, you know, yeah. what, what, you know, and it can be even a, a little, like a great line from a song that'll do it to me too. Yeah. One of them that I love is from the Rolling Stones, Dead Flowers. Well, I hope you don't see me in my ragged company. Well, you know, I could never be alone. Yeah. I, I just, you know, yeah. I, I love that sentiment. Yeah. And to me, it's a great song. Just those little moments of brilliance. Yes. Well, you know what? I'm going to task you with coming up with uh, seven more of those for next time, and we'll do another one. How about that? Okay. And in the meantime, I'll uh, check in with Paul Langlois to see if uh, he can be a guest awesome. on No Sleep Till Sudbury. Awesome. I'd love to have him. Yeah, definitely. Let me know. Okay. Okay, my friend. Okay, Bill. Thank you very much. And uh, I will talk to you in a little bit. Okay. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Brent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Mr. Bill Wolitschka. Until next time, take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. <laughs>